1: I am so glad you're joining us today for another edition of the Victor Marks Show. We have uh, Jonathan Pekula joining me. Jonathan, he's known as JP. He's the lead pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. And he has a heart for inspiring young adults to follow Jesus, which is at the center of many of his books. JP joins us today to talk about how COVID-19 has impacted his church and what the church can do to reach young adults so let's jump into the interview now on today's edition of the Victor Mark Show. Jonathan, or as I affectionately call you, JP. Welcome to the broadcast, brother.
2: How are you, my man? Hey, I'm so excited to be on with you. I love watching how God is using you and what he's doing through your life. And I, I remember, God, I bet it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Sitting on your couch and and really just processing that there's a God. And if there's a God, what, what else am I going to live for? And, uh, so it is, it's really fun just to be able to virtually connect with you. And I love what God has done in my life since that day. And I love watching what he's doing through your life since that day.
1: Well, thank you. And, and brother talk about on my end to see how old were you then, uh, when you were, you were single
2: yeah so i it was so I would have been twenty one or twenty two years old, which means it would have been eight eighteen years ago
1: yeah, and you were a kid, but yet I saw this warrior heart in you, and I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. and you guys, if you've never seen j p or you're listening right now and not watching, he's a man. When I say, man, when the brother walks into the room, you know it. What what what's your height?
2: So I'm six foot seven, uh two hundred and sixty pounds, which is about twenty pounds over over fighting weight. Yeah. But you still you still took that gun out of my hand like it was nothing. <laughs> and I and I and I don't think my wrist has quite worked right since then, if I'm honest. So still a little upset about that.
1: Brother, I I think my drilling was pumping a little for a six seven. I think you hold the record for the biggest ball I've ever had to take that weapon from. I, that's, I know I'm that's not that.
2: true. I love it.
1: Listen, people, I'm having a conversation with JP, who is a pastor of a huge church. In Waco, Texas, and yet we're starting this conversation of remembering when you sat on my couch as a single young man, not in ministry. That's you're right. in the business world, and you had a lot right. of questions. And I loved your intentionality—that's right—to ask the right questions, and and to see where you've gone. It's it's yeah. blown me away, man. I mean, uh, it shows that God can use knuckleheads if we're just willing right
2: man i tell you what i I say that god uses me to show that he can use anybody and that's not that's not false humility like i when i go to bed at night i lay there by myself well next to monica now it's like i'm i am solely i'm completely soberly aware that this is all by his grace and so it's i'm reminded constantly man but it's it's so great to reconnect with you
1: for sure Last time we visited, I was at your church speaking, I think, and that was before COVID. A lot happened mm-hmm. yeah, before the election, and I think I was in between pumps to Iraq. Uh, and right now, there's a dearth of ill-prepared young adults mm. in our nation. What What is the biggest challenge, do you think, JP, for, for young adults right now?
2: The biggest challenge for young adults this generation has a reputation for being narcissistic. That is to be focused on themselves. In fact, they were surveyed recently and they said, what are your, what do you want to be? What are your biggest goals in life? And the number one biggest goal was to be rich. And the number two biggest goal was to be famous. And I think the older generation, like they don't know what to do with that. So they look at this generation and they're like, they're they're scratching their head with TikTok and social media and and likes and followers and how oh, they're always on their phone. And and they're just kind of frustrated by them. And I kind of liken it to you know, light bulbs. And this is a a weird metaphor. But if you think about, remember when the light bulbs changed from those old filament bulbs to LED bulbs? And so you you would you were able to put your light bulb on display in your house because it would like hang out of the light fixture or whatever. And then it switched to these LED kind of spiral bulbs that were ugly. Like everybody was like, oh gosh. I don't. I don't want to use that. And they would go and look for the old bulbs with the filament. You know, this was this happened. You know, several years ago, maybe five years ago or so. It's like we the light bulbs just changed overnight, and all of a sudden stores uh, stopped carrying the old filament bulbs, and so we had these spirally light bulbs on display in our house. And 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 I think there was an older generation that didn't like that change, that didn't accept that change, a- and the truth. Is that light bulb, that new light bulb, it lasts longer, it's cheaper, it's more efficient, it's brighter. It's better in just about every way, but it was different. And we've, we've got to look at that and see what the benefits are. And so as, as to the older generation who's trying to lead this younger generation, here's what I'd say. Number one, you need to lead with authenticity. They do not want some replica of their favorite celebrity pastor. They want you being honest about your problems, honest about who you are, the challenges you've had along the way. Like you don't need to show up like you have all the answers and you've got it all figured out and you're going to really teach these young people a lesson. Show up with humility and a lot of authenticity. And number two, I would say expand their vision. Like the, the proverb says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Call them to do something bigger than themselves. One of the worst things that we can do as leaders is lower the bar and, and to not call people to something. I see churches do this all the time. Oh, will you just please show up and hold the door and I just need you to serve for an hour? Young people aren't responsive to that. Like they want Jesus had big asks of people. He would say, Come and die. And somebody was like, Well, let my dad, I I need to bury my dad. My father died. And Jesus says, Let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Follow me. To the rich young ruler, he said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. This was a big, heroic vision of an ask. In Matthew 19, Jesus says, I'm going to build this unstoppable force, and the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome it. That's a big vision. We have to expand their vision. And then number three, if we're leading young people, we want to deploy them. We, we want to give them opportunities to have fun, like to to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty and dig into the ministry. And We did this at the, at the porch. It was like, I, I said, hey, we don't want to do ministry to people. We want to do ministry through people. And so for the girl that wants to have the abortion or the guy who's cutting himself, I'm going to multiply my knowledge and Uh, awareness of how to handle those situations through people. So you guys come with me and I want you to have the conversation. I'll be there as a guide to make sure you stay within the guardrails. But if you want to lead the next generation, number one, you want to lead with authenticity. Number two, you want to expand their vision. And number three, you want to deploy them. And to help you remember that, it's the acronym LED, kind of like those light bulbs that changed to something better, you know, more efficient. LED lead with authenticity, expand their vision, deploy them.
1: Gosh, that's, that's succinct, but powerful. And uh, I mean, it puts wind in the cell of people who feel the aggravation. Like I speak often at military bases, uh, I go in and the senior leadership, especially the old salty guys are like, you know, it takes them twice as long to develop an army soldier from start to finish. Uh, they're overworked, they're using masks. And if they yell at a recruit and say, you know, you stink bag, you, you know, get up that hill, you're not going to make it. They will agree with them and go, yeah, I am a stink bag. And I and I, I can't make it. Yeah, And I think I'm going to kill myself. So we call it pushing a string. And I've been trying to provide solutions. How do you motivate young people for just – resiliency right not don't give up man push how how do you do that you were talking about how to motivate young people
2: for resiliency. And one thing that I would do is ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do when you want to quit? And you can just turn that question back on them because I think everybody says they want accountability, but not everybody wants accountability. Or some people will ask for accountability, but when it's inconvenient, they want to walk away and say, no, I don't want it anymore. Like they'll come and say, please help me stop looking at porn. And so I ask them, well, what do you want me to do when you look at porn? Like, how do you want me to help you? How hard do you want me to pursue you? How hard do you want me to run after you? When do you want me to leave you alone? And if you tell me you want me to leave you alone, should I trust it then? And in a moment of sobriety, when all is right in the world and everything's going fine, they should be able to answer that of like, okay, yes, uh, I want you to run hard after me. I want you to, to not let me go. I, if, if I look at pornography or if I stumble back into that old way or that old sin of mine, I want you to say this to me. This is the kind of accountability that I want. And you really want them to, to sp- spell that out you know, and have those expectations set up front. I think that will help you motivate young people for resiliency.
1: Gosh, that's good, man really good folks you're listening to my guest today long time friend uh pastor now it's weird uh of of i know i know of a thr- but i'll tell you let me just say in that chuckle and you'll see it the older you get like for me what what can i accomplish anymore i mean i've done all that i feel like i can do as far as whatever being effective with my life and you know what happens you really start looking toward young men that you can encourage and help on their path knowing they've got more they they're called to it yeah and they're going to reach more than you so that's how I think of you yeah uh brother and I'm encouraged
2: Well, you're great at that. And you think about that word and that last question. So encourage, you know, the etymology of that. Encourage just means to put courage in, to pour courage in. And that, you know, that's what you do, Victor, is you stiffen the spine of of people, and that's what I try to do, is is it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you want to do with that guy that wants to quit, whether it's whether it's does he don't want to qu- climb a, a wall with a rope and or crawl through barbed wire, or he doesn't want to stop looking at porn or whatever it is. It's just like I want to pour courage into him and say, Hey, you can do this. And I want to inspire him and motivate him to be everything that God has called him to be.
1: I think today with COVID-19. There's been such a shift in our world. And I have to think that we're in a type of funnel. That's how my mind sees it. I've known the Lord, I don't know, 32, 33 years now. We used to talk about Christ's return and bumper stickers and shirts. And then, you know, kind of faded. And then we started seeing things happening that even those who were into prophecy and all that would go, oh my gosh, it's really happening. And we are definitely setting ourselves up to be controlled by one ruler. And the Bible calls him the Antichrist. It doesn't worry me, it motivates me. And um, whatever people's theological positions are, whether they're here, whether they're gone, God is calling us to occupy and to do and to be a light and to share. So this is when maybe I get a little bit more passionate than even in the past about you know, how do we do that? And you know me, I'm a big patriot. Uh, I was pretty vocal about the elections that came in. But I never want people to think that that's the center of my passion because this country is going to go the way it does. But here's the tension. How do we encourage the younger generation to take an interest in, you know, their country or issues? Uh, because honestly i think they can do it better than us we fell asleep on way too much stuff there's far too much compromise even in the republican party their morals seem to be a little bit higher but i've sat down i've sat down with well-known republican key political figures and i just go man this person who they're they're as immoral as anybody
2: yeah let, well let me give you you know my opinion and i don't i don't know what that's worth to you but I think there has been this shift where the, you know, boomers and Gen Xers were, hey, we want to be the best. Like there, there was this pride, like we want to be the very best. We want to be the strong, only the strong, the the proud, the brave, like that's, we want to be that. And I see a generation rising up. That's like, wait, wait, hold on. That's arrogant. Like, why do you want to be the best? I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on like that if you if you if you say you're the best and that means somebody is not as good and it really is a redefinition of tolerance and so old tolerance said i have to respect that you have different a different opinion than me uh new tolerance says i have to see your opinion as right and that slight or that that's a big change the the difference between those two is as wide as the grand canyon They sound similar, and they're called the same thing, tolerance, but the the difference, the implications, the way that that's played out is huge. It's like we have gotten rid of absolute truth, And, and you and I know you can't get rid of absolute truth, because if I say, hey, there's no absolute truth, gravity's a figment of my imagination. I don't, I don't believe gravity is your truth. It's not my truth. And I jump off a building, man, that, that truth, the reality of gravity is going to take over. And I'm going to realize that I was a fool that when I said there was no absolute truth that I got to define my own truth and that I rejected your truth of gravity, your, the, the truth, the absolute truth of gravity is going to win out. And I say that because Victor, what I really think we have to do is go back and say, okay, is there a God? Is there a creator? Did did someone create everything we see? And if he did, then who is he? And And if he's there, because if he can create everything we see, then certainly he can make himself known or he's not a very strong God. And so if he can make himself known, then who is he? And if I can find out who he is, then I can I, I know that he has a calling on my life, a purpose on my life. And I be I can begin to live my life with that absolute truth. And then I and then I when I find the source of absolute truth, which I believe is the Bible, these 66 books preserved throughout centuries for us to apply, then I can say, okay, he wants me to walk justly he wants me to love mercy he wants me to love my neighbor as myself but he wants me to speak the truth and love he wants me to share the gospel he wants me to you know live with a code of ethics i mean these are things that that the creator of of everything i see is calling me to and 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 so when i meet with a young person that's where i want to start with is like what's the foundation of your worldview? is it the bible is it an atheistic worldview? Is it a narcissistic worldview? Like what's as a naturalistic worldview, what's the foundation of it? And and as we can, you know, build from there, then I think you resolve a lot of the issues that you're calling out.
1: One of the things I love about JP folks is that he's not a parrot. He's not watching the latest and greatest pastors on TV, or on social media, and taking their sound bites and regurgitating them. Uh he he's a man who seeks truth and um is very courageous uh in, in all that you do. What is the best website people can follow you or on social media?
2: So at Jay Pakuda. So my last name is P is in Paul OK, L is in Lewis, U, D is in David A. So Jay Pekluda and uh Jonathan Pacluda, Jonathan and Monica pacluda on, on Facebook, Jay pacluda on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a site that my publisher made, JonathanPakluda.com, if it, where you can find all of that information, Victor, thanks so much for your kind words. And it, it's a privilege, you know, to, to create resources. My prayer, I never desired to, to write books. You know, my prayer is just to create yeah. resources that are helpful to people. And so, uh, it's, mm. it's been fun to watch God use them.
1: Well, in closing, I ask my guests the same two questions and you're going to get them first. People live by perceptions, and I always ask—now, we've known each other for many years, so maybe this isn't a—you can cheat it because you know us, but I ask people, what is your perception of us and the ministry that we do?
2: Yeah, the first word that comes to mind is one that we've mentioned before, is courage. And I think people are inspired toward courage when they see courage. And there's something about watching you guys pushing back darkness, going places, fighting evil, being on the front lines, not giving the devil a foothold in our world and speaking out against the evil that exists that stiffens the spines of the people. And they're like, man, if he can do that, if he can say that, then I, I too want to act boldly and courageously for Jesus. It's been well said that the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And so I, I think there's something about you saying, "Hey, I don't want evil to prevail. I'm going to stand against it." In Matthew five, Jesus said, "Be the light of the world." You know, and so as I think about that, it's about pushing back darkness. Like it, wherever light is, darkness cannot be. And so, what does it look like for me to carry the light of Christ into dark places? And so, Victor, I've, I've known you for a number of years, as you said, you, you're doing that. Like, you have not tolerated evil. If there is some girl getting taken advantage of at the, the Mexico border, the United States Mexico border, or in Thailand, or wherever it is, if you, you hear the cries of the people and all things possible, Ministries responds to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So, courage.
1: Nice. Thank you. Kind words. Final question. We all die, JP. You're going to close your eyes if Christ doesn't come get us all corporately. The last question I was asked people is, what happens to you when you die? When you close your eyes, and why do you believe it?
2: When I die, I am going to wake up in the presence of the kingdom of Jesus because of his death and resurrection as a payment for my sins. It's very important that your listeners understand that every soul that has ever been, every person that has ever lived, that presently lives, will live, or has lived in the past, every single person, every soul is going to be in one of two places, either in heaven, in the presence of God, or in hell, separated from the mercy of God forever and ever and ever and ever. And the only thing that you can do in hell, there's only one agenda item in hell. There's only one thing on the to-do list in hell, and it's to pay for your sins forever. We have to pay for our sins forever in hell. And so the only person who does not go to hell is the person whose sins have been paid for. Then when we see Jesus on the cross, when we see a man nailed to two pieces of wood with a crown of thorns on his head, bleeding out, we should see a payment. That was him paying for our sins and he raised from the dead the empty tomb means that his payment cleared that his holy spirit literally comes to live with us to guide and direct us through this broken world sealing us for eternity carrying us home to be with the father forever and ever and ever and ever and it's because of what jesus did ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourself it's the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast no one is going to work their way up to god god came here he did the work for us on the cross and when we believe upon that then we begin to live our lives for him and we're going to be with him forever in heaven. That that's what I want your listeners to know.
1: Oh goodness. I'm going to say it right now. That is exactly what I believe. If there are people listening right now, they go, how do I get that? How can I know like JP, what do they do?
2: you turn to that God and you repent. Repentance is turning from your sin and turning to God. So the thing that, that has, has so easily entangled you, whether it's pornography or adultery, whether it's alcoholism or drug use, whether it's pride or self-righteousness, you thinking you have all the answers, you, you say, God, I acknowledge that and I turn to you. I want to turn away from my sin. And so anybody who's listening right now, can, can even say this prayer out loud. And it's not a magic prayer. It's a declaration that you believe in your, your heart. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And that we will be saved means saved to God, saved from hell, saved from having to pay for our sins in eternity, that we can enjoy Jesus's inheritance. Theologians call it the great exchange that Christ got what we deserve. And if we believe that, if we trust in that, then we get what he deserved. And so you can pray this right here with me God, I know that I am a sinner, that I have ran from you, that I have turned to my own ways. And God, I know that you paid for my sins in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, that you sent him to die. For my sins. And God, I know that you showed your power by resurrecting your son from the dead. You brought him back to life and that his spirit lives. Lord, would you please give me your Holy Spirit and that help me to surrender fully to your Holy Spirit so that I would do what pleases you, not for salvation, but from it, because you saved me through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: It's that simple, folks. And it's that sure, because our faith and trust is in Christ. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. JP, we have many, many listeners, over 450 stations around the nation on social media. I know many of them are resonating right now going, who is this voice of reason and truth and courage? Where is Jonathan Pucluta, and they're going to want to follow you and listen to your sermons. Thank you. Love you, brother.
2: Love you too, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Victor.
1: You bet. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hey, do it for the glory of God man. enjoy the journey, the ups and the downs, but walk with the Lord and go get it done. God
0: bless y'all. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.